And as you sing, it matches so well with my message this morning. As I look at the importance of understanding something that's really incredible to understand, is that very often our failure can be a blessing. You see, sometimes as we go through life and we think it's so important to succeed in so many ways, but very often it's in our lives when we fail. It brings awareness and it brings an understanding of who we are and, and how wonderful God is, that it can be absolutely transforming in who we are. In fact, when I think about the Old Testament, that's what I, I think about, is that it's the story of humanity's continual failure. Like all the time, God keeps doing something and intervening, and then the people fail just over and over and over again. And starting with the Garden of Eden, at the Garden of Eden, God creates, places Adam and Eve, starts humanity, and they fail. And then life moves on, and God makes provisions for them as they continue life. And then we see a return to that understanding of Eden when God is intervening in the lives of the, the Hebrews. He leads them out of Egypt. They come to the foot of Mount Sinai. And God's like, I love you. I want you to be my people. And I want to make this like, like a, a covenant between us. Let's do like this contract between us. I'll be your God and you'll be my people. And these are the things that you need to do to be my people. And as Moses is, is explaining this to the people, they're like, yeah. We've got your back, God. You, you're, we'll, be your, we'll be your people. This is awesome. God go, or then Moses goes up on Mount Sinai and gets the Ten Commandments. And he's up there a long time. You know, he's up there over a month and the people get restless. Failure again. They build the golden calf. Failure. God intervenes again and he makes a new plan for the people trying to rescue them. But then as, as part of that, as he continues on with them, he gives very detailed descriptions on how to build the tabernacle, this movable temple-like structure that the people will carry with them. And as God gives these, all these really details on dimensions and how things should be made and constructed within this tabernacle, it's very detailed on it. Um, this is going to be a place that actually has a lot of things in it that go back and point to God's first encounter with humanity and humanity's first encounter with God, and that's the Garden of Eden. So within the tabernacle, there's lots of, of imagery of the Garden of Eden as a reminder that there is this connection between heaven and earth, between God and God's people in a place. There in the Garden of Eden and now at the tabernacle. This is a place that's representing not only God's presence, but this intersection between heaven and earth and where people meet. Time goes on, the people in many ways continue to fail. God appoints leadership in different capacities in different ways. And each time, um, these incredible people from Moses to King David... They have some really great points in their life where they're really connected with God. And they have other points in their life where they fail. Where they fail. 
and who does not fail. The one who is always consistent and the one who is always there for people and providing another way is God. God's love and compassion in the midst of failure is demonstrated over and over to the people. Now, people have to suffer the consequences of their action, yes. And sometimes that happens in very dramatic ways. But as God is loving humanity and is loving his people, his love and his compassion is paramount. And then as time continues on and that, that tabernacle gets moved and transported as the Israelites are moving or the Hebrews are moving, um, it, it's, getting, it's getting old. And the people have reached the promised land. And now King David has passed and his son, King Solomon, is in charge. And King Solomon recognizes that God needs a home. In his own mind, he thinks God needs a home. And God's like, okay, if you want to build me a temple, okay. And then there's a, a, a I kind of chuckle as I read, though, there's a difference. In the tabernacle... God gives very detailed instructions. I want this, and this is how I want it. Within, as Solomon's building the temple, um, Solomon picks how everything's done, and God's like, that's nice. But it's not that detailed instruction on what God gave with the tabernacle. But within the temple, Solomon also points back to the, the tabernacle and the Garden of Eden with the imagery of palm trees and flowers and fruit are there in the middle of the temple. And so the temple is built, and then Solomon comes forth, and he has a big gathering, and he's going to do a dedication. And within this dedication, he says a prayer. And as he is talking, I find the prayer very interesting as we go into it. But within this dedication, He's challenging the people, but he's also reminding them of who God is. And one of the things I find very interesting in this long prayer that he does at the dedication to the temple, Solomon points out the brokenness of humanity and God's faithfulness. So in the midst of this dedication of the temple for God, Solomon knows his history. And he knows the failure of humanity. And he doesn't know yet, but God knows that Solomon has his failures in his future as well. But within the midst of humanity's failure, God's sovereignty, God's love, God's compassion is still there. So let's take a peek into this, this prayer that Solomon is praying, and we're, we're going to enter this it's a long prayer so we'll start kind of in the middle of it with verse 46 of chapter 8 of first kings and as he's praying this prayer is solomon much of it talking directly to god so he's he's praying before the people but when he's saying the word you he, he's talking to god when they sin against you for there's no one who does not sin and you become angry with them and give them over to their enemies who take them captive to their own lands far away or, or near. And if they have a change of heart in the land where they are laid captive and repent and plead with you in the land and their captors and say, we have sinned, we have done wrong, we have acted wickedly. 
And if they turn back to you with all their heart and soul in the land of their enemies who took them captive and pray to you toward the land you gave their ancestors, toward the city you have chosen and the temple have built for your name, then from heaven, your dwelling place, hear their prayer and their plea and uphold their cause. And forgive your people who have sinned against you. Forgive all the offenses they have committed against you and cause their captors to show them mercy. For they are your people and your inheritance whom you brought out of Egypt, out of that iron-smelting furnace. And as I said Solomon knew his history. He knew the failure of humanity in the past. And I just, I find it ironic as he is saying, God, we're going to fail you again. We know this, but we know your character. And Paul reminds us in in Romans 3.23 that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In fact, humanity has a problem. We really do. We have a sin problem. We have this part of us, we, we have this fleshy part of ourself that has a sin problem. And even though we strive at points in our lives to do really well and to do good, we still have a sin problem. We are all broken. Now, sometimes our brokenness is more easily seen to others. Um, sometimes in our brokenness, it's a very public thing, and people see that. Sometimes our sin is private, and it's more hit, easily hidden. But we all have a sin problem. And we all have a brokenness. You see, as we do church together, that's one of the powerful things that we have an opportunity to be really honest with each other. That we are, we're all broken. We have sin problems. We're we're all messed up in the head one way or the other. You know, it may be different, but we have this fleshy part of who we are that rebels against God. It rebels against what God calls us to be and do, and it causes a type of failure in our lives. But the really cool thing, as we come together under the banner of God and under his love, and as Solomon points out here, as we recognize that and we recognize our failure and we repent of that, God loves us so much and has so much compassion that he's wanting to pour out on us that he brings us together. And for us as a church, as we recognize that, you know, as we we look around at the people around us, we recognize that person in the pew in front of us or behind us or right next to us has a sin problem. And the person who's sitting where we're sitting has a sin problem. But as we really admit that freely and recognize the brokenness that we have, God can do something with that. God can do something as we choose and we recognize the sin problem that we have. But when we freely admit it and humbly go before God and said, I've really messed up and I'll probably mess up in the future too. But God, thank you for your love and compassion to bring through that failure wholeness. Now, that's one of the challenges though is very often... We're more comfortable, and it depends on the person, but sometimes we're comfortable with our sin problem, but, but, but not the sin problem of the other person. But sometimes we're the other way. We're, we just beat our, our, ourselves up so much because of our sin problem, but we're freely able to forgive others because we're all wired differently. 
And Satan uses that to try to beat us down and to recognize how we are bad people. But, but God redeems that. God redeems that. And it's important for us as a church to recognize when we see the sin problem of someone else that we recognize, yep, that person's a human. That person is like every other person, and that person who's got a failure is a lot like me. It may be in a different area of their life, in a different situation. But these opportunities that arise when we have failure can be awesome. I remember um, as, as a youth minister and having the opportunity to be close to, to youth and their families, I recognized there was lots of failure. Things happen, people make mistakes. The really cool thing, this is just awesome, is how the person has the opportunity to respond to that failure. You see, if, if that failure comes and it's just hidden, glossed over, and let's just move on real fast and not think about it anymore, then that kind of just stays and, and festers and causes more problems. But when that, when that failure is, is brought out and a person says, I have messed up, God, and I am placing my future in your hands, and I am going to do everything I can to be who you call me to do, and, and I, I repent, I'm sorry. And then truly embrace the warmth and the love and the grace of God's forgiveness, then that failure is turned into something that God can really use, that God can use for that person, but also our church family, for the community, as that failure is placed in the loving hands of God. You know, within this, this brokenness that we all have, if you ever hold, as we sang in the song, that a newborn baby, and that baby so innocent and sweet, it doesn't take long to recognize that sweetness starts going away at some point, but sooner than you think. As the baby has needs and wants and does whatever um, it can to get attention, to draw attention, I need this, I need that. And it doesn't take long to, for sin to creep into our lives, even from a young age. When I was, when I was um, young and, and my parents lived on a, a lake, I would enjoy going down to the lake early in the morning, and the, the water was just as smooth as glass. And I would take a, a rock, and I loved skipping them on that smooth water. And I would see how many skips I could get on the water and I noticed that even though the the lake was about as wide as the Ohio River is here but I would skip and once that rock hit ripples went out and just kept going from each skip and they just kept going through these waves Adam made a lot of ripples Adam and Eve as they made their poor choices and those ripples kept going out and kept going out. And that's the way our sin does. That sin has ripples that go out and affect. But when we say, God, I have goofed. God, you are awesome. And I am, I'm repenting of that and turning to you. God is able to take those ripples and use them for good. 
God is able to use those waves and those consequences and turn them into good things. We just have to become humble and admit our failure, and God can really use that. I want to keep reading in verse 52 as he continues the prayer. May your eyes be open to your servant's plea and to the plea of your people Israel. And may you listen to them whenever they cry out to you. For you singled them out from the nations of the world to be your own inheritance. Just as you declared through your servant Moses when you, sovereign Lord, brought our ancestors out of Egypt. God's people were selected for an inheritance to bring the knowledge of God to the whole world. We as well. We are blessed with opportunity that as we be, as we become, as we grow into the person that God made us to be, we have an inheritance. You see, it's not just about us. When we embrace our failure and then move forward, that is an opportunity for others to see how amazing God is and how God works in difficult circumstances. And we can participate in that message to the whole world about how loving God is, how forgiving God is. In 54, when Solomon had finished all these prayers and supplications to the Lord, he rose from before the altar of the Lord where he had been kneeling with his hands spread out toward heaven. He stood and blessed the whole assembly of Israel in a loud voice, saying, Praise be to the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel just as he had promised. Not one word has failed of all the good promises he gave through his servant Moses. May the Lord our God be with us as he is with our ancestors. May he never leave us or forsake us. May he turn our hearts to him to walk in obedience to him and keep his commands, decrees, and laws he gave our ancestors. And may these words of mine, which I have prayed before the Lord, be near to the Lord, our God, day and night, that he may uphold the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel according to each day's needs, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God and there is no other. You see, the, this opportunity that we have to go through our own failures and come out on the other side gives God opportunity to intervene in our lives. But as we do that, it's so the peoples of the earth may know the Lord is God and that there is no other. And for the day of Solomon, this is an important message. You see the neighboring countries, they had their own gods and, and people went to their temples to worship their gods and they were doing their best to try to appease and, and make that God happy. But this temple that Solomon built was different. This is a temple that God used to intervene in our lives. This is a temple that, yes, people made sacrifices at. But the point wasn't to appease God. The point was to recognize that we have a sin problem and that God is the one who is going to help us with that sin problem. And through his forgiveness and his mercy, that he was going to give opportunity to us. And the crazy thing is that through the work of Jesus, this 
major transformation of this whole process got put on its head. How did that happen? You see, the people then went to the temple to meet God, to offer sacrifices, to recognize the presence of God. But we do not have that temple today. You see, Paul makes it very clear that you know where that temple is today? Right here. You see, the, the temple is in us. It's in us as an individual, but it's also us in us as a church, as a body. Because the word there, you, are the temple, is plural, as Paul is speaking. So the temple is in us. So, so now we have this opportunity not just to go to some place or facility to do offerings, but we, walking around, are the temple. We are the temple. And as we bring our self with us, we still have this, this sin problem that we have, even though we are the temple. And to me, that points out how compassionate and loving God is, because God hates sin, but he loves us. And so he's allowing us to be the temple. And as we come and we are that place where God and humanity meets, and when we truly know that and embrace that, it brings awareness that how bad our sin problem is and how bad it hurts ourselves and, and how bad our sin problem grieves God. But God's compassion on us is so full and so complete. He recognizes this need of grace and love. And so as we submit in love to God and we recognize our own failures, our own humanity, that as we are the temple, God comes in and cleanses and makes us whole. And as those around us are aware of that, the people around us are hungry for that too. When they see how you have failed and how God has come into your life and, and done his work of love, and as we let others know that, then people become hungry for that themselves and recognize, I want some of that. Love and forgiveness and wholeness. How do I get that? And then that's your opportunity to share so that the world may know the power and the love of Jesus. So I want to ask us all this morning, when you crash and burn in life, are you letting it be a blessing? Are you just hiding it? When you crash and burn because of, of sin, are you letting it be an incredible blessing to yourself and to others? We don't want to think about how our failures can be a good thing. We just want to hide them. But the reality is, when we turn over our failure to God, a new and healthy life can be found, a life in Jesus. This morning, what areas in my life do I need to allow Jesus to heal? 
What are the areas in your life that you have crashed and burned? You're crashing and burning now. What are those areas that you need to offer up to a holy God so that he can come in and love you? So he can come in and forgive you? And so he can come in and say, I'm your God. I forgive you. Let's go and do something wonderful with this. Let's go and let the world know who I am, that I am a gracious and loving God, quick to forgive. We're going to hear some music. Use this time as an opportunity to reflect and listen to the Spirit speak to you about your own sin, your own crashing and burning that you've done in the past or that you're doing now and just let the spirit speak to you and allow yourself to repent to say I'm sorry to allow God to come in to cleanse what's going on here Jesus has been dying to do it literally Jesus died on the cross so that this can happen. So that this cleansing, ultimate cleansing can happen. You just have to say yes to the process and let it happen. And allow Jesus to come in and do his healing. Heavenly Father, as we pause, we recognize that humanity has failed you over and over again. But your love, your love for us is more powerful than our sin. Your love that was demonstrated by death on a cross overshadows our failure. So God, as we come to you now and we recognize the sin of our past, the sin of our present, God, we just lay it, lay it at your feet. God, we want your healing. We want your love. We want to move forward with you. Thank you for that. In your precious name we pray. Amen.